Hello, I'm Emma Knight, the Chief Executive at NGA, and welcome to our December podcast. And we're going to be looking back over the year, what a year it was, 2020, um, and thinking about actually what's going to be approaching in 2021, if we can work that out. So I'm joined by um, Emma Bulchin, Director of Professional Development. Hello. Steve Edmonds, Director of Advice and Guidance. Hi. And Sam Henson, Director of Policy and Information. Hello. So um, let's start with that looking back. Um, clearly, uh, no one I don't think is going to dispute that COVID has been the event of, of 2020. So Emma, do you want to um, give us some thoughts or a what's your real takeaway of this 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 year in terms of what governing boards have having have had to deal with? Um, I think it's difficult to, to know where to start with that question. There's so much, isn't there? But I, for me, I think it's really um, forced the issue of remote governance. And actually, you know, when we first started this, we had a, a particular, I suppose, number of governors. We did a poll, didn't we? And people responded to us to say how they were governing. And there was a significant number of people who sort of just thought, well, locally, we'll, we're on pause. And I think as time went on, more and more people realised actually how critical governance has been during these times. Um, and that everybody has had a bit of a baptism of fire with regard to technology. Everybody's upskilled themselves. Governance seems to be happening um, because it's more important than ever, really effectively across the vast majority of settings. So I think the last time we ran a poll, there was very few that weren't meeting any longer. And in fact, some of the um, latest sessions that we've been running, people have been telling us how much better attendance at meetings is because it's actually easier to get there. There aren't some of the logistical problems and dynamics of governance that perhaps existed for some historically. Um, so I think, uh, you know, it, it doesn't mean to say that we've absolutely overcome all of the challenges, but I think remote meetings in particular are probably here to stay, certainly for, for some, and the advantages of those um, are being realised. I know uh, things like recruitment have been enhanced, um, doing things remotely and, and all of those sorts of things. That's probably my, my biggest thing. Um, despite the challenges of kind of how do you kind of keep your eye on what's going on um, at local level when you can't actually be in the school. Mm. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it has been such a tough year, hasn't it, for so many people for so many different reasons. And I think it's it's really good to pick out the things that actually um, have gone well or have gone better than than we might have guessed. Um, Steve, you and your team have been producing reams of guidance and information over that period since schools partially closed in, in, in March. What are your reflections of, of that, that period? Well, I, I, think the, I think my main reflection really is just uh, on how the relationship between senior leaders and, and governing boards, governing boards and, and the communities that they serve, has has just been strengthened by this awful experience um, we've been through, and I think if we were having this conversation 12 months ago, and we was you know we were to say that, you know we'd be talking about a world where we had to stay two meters apart from everyone except those nearest and dearest to us, 
or, or using phrases like, you know, self-isolating, shielding or lockdown. You thought you were reading some kind of dystopian science fiction novel. Um, but it, but it's, it's actually the whole process of adversity, I think. And we've, we've experienced this in the engagement that, that we've been fortunate to have with boards has, has strengthened that relationship between school leaders and, uh, and, and their boards. And I think actually that the positive legacy will be moving forward that that, that relationship will, will lead to a different viewpoint and a different perspective on, on how accountability works at school and trust level. I'm not making any promises around the system. I'm talking about school and trust level. So all the things that you know we we, we hold dear and value in our, in those relationships with executive leaders will travel through to things like performance management and appraisal, to the uh, approach to professional growth and, and whole school wellbeing cultures. So I, you know, I'm clinging on to that, Emma, uh, because it's Abs been a difficult year, and I, and I think that's that's something we we need to look forward to. Absolutely, and we we got that information, didn't we, from every every which way, when either you know people ringing the advice line, um, governors and trustees at our events, people emailing us. I think this is a year when we have had more contact from members than ever ever before um, uh, wanting advice and support and actually just sharing their sharing their stories and I think one of the things um, that has been um, absolutely clear is the vast majority of governing boards really up their game in terms of supporting uh, senior senior leaders who let's face it have had a very difficult um, uh, year managing um, keeping people safe um, both in in school and then ensuring that that, that families and the wider community um, come along um, with them and what they're doing but perhaps one of the things that, that strikes me as a real conundrum and I don't know necessarily that we've we've all sorted it is that balance between support and challenge um, at one point we thought the September term was going to be recovery didn't we and that we would very carefully recalibrate that balance um, from very much support to being a little bit um, more of a challenge and I wonder whether boards have been able to sort of find the space and the wherewithal to, to do that while senior leaders are having to deal with um, what is a second wave in a lot of communities isn't it? Yeah absolutely and I think one of the pinch points here uh, which you've mentioned on more than one occasion is is that the, the the policy making processes in the department has been slow to understand what's what's actually happening in schools and, and that's led to the conversation about you know how much autonomy uh should there be at school and trust level to make decisions about continuity of education in these very difficult difficult circumstances and and granting that autonomy or granting that greater autonomy obviously rests to a, to a large extent on on the strength of governance and and, and that balance between challenge uh, and support and the board being a robust sounding board if you like for those decisions that are made about risk and and and, and remote learning my sense um, is that I think boards are are moving more comfortably into the space of 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 challenging. In, in a constructive way, the way their schools and trusts are, are leading uh, their, their risk management procedures and protocols, the things, that, the things that will ultimately ensure that pupils stay in school and are safe, but also 
um, the, 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 the breadth and the robustness of their remote learning offer as well, should, should that need to be pressed in, into action. Um, I think, it, it, you know, we're on, that, we're on that trajectory, aren't we, where I think we are gradually recalibrating back, but we just don't quite know really what pace to go at and what's the right pace. It's, it's interesting. So Sam, being third, it's um, uh, what what are your um, reflections on the on the year? And in addition to those from from Emma and Steve. Thanks, Emma. Um, I think very much builds on what Emma and Steve have already said. Really, I guess for me, it's uh, thinking back to the beginning of lockdown number one. Just seems like a, a lifetime ago now, um, and I, I guess the 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 really um, the the key thing that stands out for me is just how important um, the the role of uh, of anyone involved in school life you, you know has been recognised during this last year. You know, and we we saw you know when 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 children couldn't go to school, um, all of a sudden there was this this huge recognition I think from everyone of just the huge role um, in society that our schools play. Um, and I think just kind of watching that, reacting to that, I think it was just a real learning process for, for all of us. Um, and I think um, actually, as, as we've gone further along throughout the year, we've seen that as well as, you know, staff across uh, the health service and and other other key responders uh, across society, actually teachers and and those involved in schools, have been at the forefront of of keeping society going. And actually, as governors and trustees, we've had such a huge role in supporting them through that in in um, in, in keeping our organisations running. I think that's that's the the thing that really stands out for me. And and actually, it's really interesting because you'll remember. Um, the, at the beginning of the year, we launched our visible governance campaign, and, and we had to pause that um, because of lockdown. But actually, I would I would argue that more than ever, our governors and trustees have have found themselves at the forefront of of um, of keeping schools uh, running, keeping them going. There's a, a recognition from many corners of society that weren't wasn't there before. Um, actually. Despite the fact we had to halt our campaign, Emma, I think you can argue that the, the role of governance has become more visible as a result of this pandemic. So for me, that's what really sticks out, I think. Yes, I think you're you're absolutely right. And one of the things that we got um, uh, only a couple of months ago, but it was actually research undertaken before the pandemic, uh, told us that even then, last winter, nine out of 10 executive leaders felt they were being uh, supported and challenged uh, well by their by their governing board. Uh, but I think if, if that was done again now, um, that was research commissioned by the Department uh, for Education, I think it would be, I think it would be even higher and certainly the feedback that we've had from the leadership professional associations and and other leaders of schools um, and and trust has absolutely been that by and large their governing boards have been there for them and there have been lots of discussions haven't there about ways in which chairs and other people on the board can thank um, the, the, the staff and the leaders and those sort of human kindnesses that are going on um, in in the system have have been really 
really welcome and heartwarming. Um, one of the things I was doing recently, the, your, your point about time is so right, is I looked back in, and I think it was um, May, when uh, I wrote um, a long blog to try and explain who could make what decisions, because in the really early days, that was one of the issues, wasn't it? What exactly was the role of governing boards vis-a-vis -vis, um, uh, senior leaders? And there just wasn't anything being published by the DfE um, on on that um, and I think members really um, appreciated that sort of being laid out sort of step by step who was making what decision and who had what legal responsibilities and what the board's role was and yet that seems eons ago now that that governing boards were actually looking at those very first um, uh, risk risk assessments um, the other thing, some much more more recently, obviously that you've um, uh, been involved in um, more than the rest of us, is is the discussions about um, exams and qualifications, tests and performance tables, and and how those are going to be managed for for next next year. And we know that uncertainty's been causing concern for well everybody, just teachers, head teachers, but also pupils and and their parents. I mean, how yeah just have a reflection about the whole exams fiasco i think we can use the word fiasco without anybody um uh, debating that one 100 percent, absolutely i think um i think that is the only word really it's um it, it it has been such a journey hasn't it and i think more than anything i guess the main thing is that at least now we have some form of um, direction for our our pupils across the country that uh, you know they, they were so in need of that um, you know we obviously had the decision in Wales sometime before that they weren't going to go ahead with their exams and so I think if anything that that kind of made people even more uh, a, a bit worried about what was going to happen that there was there was definitely a lot of discussion going on so I think although We've ended up with essentially, I, th I think Emma, we we called it a Apache compromise, which I think is 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 a good way of describing it. Um, uh, although it's not perfect, it is it is something. And I think it, for me, the main thing was the the timing. Um, actually, we we think that uh, it had gone on too long, and what we absolutely couldn't have was a repeat of of last year. Uh, and uh, so I, th I think that's that's a good thing parents across the country obviously now will at least have a better idea of how to support their their children uh, teachers will have a, a better idea a better idea that uh, of how to ha how to um, uh, approach what what they need to be looking at um, so I know that I know there's been some debate around what actually is it too generous I, you know I don't, I don't think it is I think in the in the circumstances the the support package that's been put together uh, actually just reflects the the absolutely um uh crazy time that we've all been living through um so I think that that's really important um that, that we've got that now I think that's the main thing Absolutely. The, the other thing that caused um, a lot of controversy at various points was um, Ofsted. Clearly, everyone was very pleased when they decided to pause inspections in that summer 
term and then we had that period um, when we were talking to them about um, what visits might happen during the during the autumn term and now we've finally had the decision pushing back full full inspections um for uh for january to, to have yeah i think let, let me know what you you thought about all of that yeah so i i think uh, again you know it, it seems crazy thinking back to march i remember us talking about this when we when we launched our um our report um on when we reviewed the the first the first full term the only full term of of the education inspection framework um and you know at the time we we were very much saying the inspection full inspection can't happen again this year and then our thinking moved on and you know i think we us and along with others felt that january was was way too soon so actually to not bring full inspection back uh, until the summer term 2021 i think is is a, a result it's a good result one that that shows um that the the ofsted and the, the government have been been listening to to us uh, our, our concerns the concerns from across the sector um and we'll now have this 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 arrangement with Ofsted conducting monitoring inspections instead. Um, uh, so actually, we do have something in place, um, uh, and I, I think actually what what the last year again has shown us is that Ofsted's um, uh, have been flexible when when they needed to do things differently, and and so they have done things differently. Um, and I think there's some real positives to to get out from that, and. It, uh, lots of us talk about uh, what we think the the um, uh, inspection should look like for the future and I think it's given us some real key learning for that um, so something that we can carry on that that conversation on uh, I think that's been a really interesting thing I don't know Steve I think that's that's one thing that, that I know that you've got a particular view on as well well, I, I was going to I was going to ask what we all thought of that because another reflection on the year really is as the as this crisis evolved, uh, it seemed that that more and more people were talking in more and more extreme terms about the legacy, particularly for the accountability system. You know whether that was to abandon exams or ditch performance tables. You know relegate us offstead to the dustbin of history. You know you know in very extreme terms, and and I guess. Um, you know, as we approach the end of the year, and we're all kind of out of energy and, and, and exhausted, and we're, we're reflecting on, on, on what we've been through, where do we think that leaves us, you know, in terms of the accountability system as a whole? Do you think, do you think in, in a year's time, we'll actually be over the pandemic, and we'll be talking about the same accountability system now and in the immediate future? Do you think, do you think this will be a catalyst for change? Don't you think the fact that um, we had HMIs visiting schools and seeing what um, particularly leaders were coping with, because it was leaders they met, wasn't it? They didn't do the deep dives in the classroom visits. I think that it really did help inform the inspectorate, because I think the tone of the conversations we had after those visits were very different, much more understanding than perhaps the ones 
we were having over the summer when let's face it all of us had our fingers crossed didn't we that that a lot of this was going away and i do remember um the medical panel i mean we have been been um uh, very lucky as part of the stakeholders group that the um, medics from sage have come and given us a couple of briefings and i still remember the very first one them saying this is going to be here for really quite a long time so even if we all get ourselves vaccinated or most of us agree to be vaccinated in the new year, I don't think those other measures, the um, social distancing measures, the, the washing your hands, the other things that schools have had to adapt to, I'm not sure that that's going to go away straight away. What, what do you think, Emma? I think you're right. I, and, you know, some of it has resulted in improvements um, in, in, you know, from the operational side of things, really, really silly day to day things. Um, there was untold problems outside some of our schools, particularly, um, you know, some of the places where I'm governing, dropping and children off and picking children up. And they're sort of either the staggered starts or just the different way that staff now welcome children into school at different times and in different ways um you know we've seen different benefits of that so now there's a lot less traffic problems all at the same time and all in one go there's a lot less um kind of i suppose unrest at the start of the school day they've reported that the children are really kind of settled and ready to learn so i i think while there is a real drive to get back to some sort of normality i think that there have been unthought about benefits that that will sort of be here to stay for quite a while longer i don't know quite how that relates to the inspection framework um but i suspect that every aspect of sort of education has had kind of some positives and some negatives and and so some of some of those will just inform the future and hopefully it'll be better because of it. I think it's made us all be, don't you think, a little bit more creative and innovative. I mean, if we, if we, you know, if you look at a classroom, it's not that different from in Victorian times, is it? Or even earlier when the sort of original charity schools, you know, were were set up. And I think this is not that anyone would have wished a pandemic upon anybody in order to shock us into doing things differently. But yes, Emma, I've also been reading about how some of the younger children um, are actually being a bit more independent at the beginning of the day because they don't have their parents following them in and hanging their coats um, for them. But but Steve, had you had um, some thoughts to answer your own question about where do you see that accountability system moving or where might it move? Well, yeah, and, and I think the other, it's probably worth at this moment in time us reflecting on the other defining event of the year which of course uh was that was the dreadful uh, murder of george floyd in america which and all that led to in terms of the black lives matters movement because i think that made us really focus as well didn't it on on um you know just uh, what values driven leadership is in, in in schools and trusts and and what it what it can achieve and what it, it can actually uh protect us as well and so i think it, it, it's almost impossible to separate conversations uh about the things that are really important for boards uh towards their vision and their, and their values embodied through a curriculum and the accountability system which you know we've often said is you know is, is an impediment to to 
to what we really want for our for our children in terms of you know educating a whole child and i absolutely agree with every time you you say on a platform emma that you we should not have to wait to be told as governing boards to create you know the, the, the values driven leadership and a culture in our schools and trust we want to deliver that i still think the system has has some way to go so i don't think there will be i don't think this this period we've been through will lead to uh, a, 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 an absolutely, you know, transformed system of accountability. Um, you know, that's, it's not going to happen that way. But I think we need to find some time as a sector over the next 12 months to not not let events uh, dominate to the extent that we can't find the space to, to move this conversation on, because that will be a terrible missed opportunity. Mm. Yes, you're absolutely right, isn't it? We've, we've all, whether, you know, at NGA level or at school level, had so many things to react to. In 2020, it's been quite difficult um, being proactive. As, as, um, as you said, we've, we've had to put our visible governance campaign on hold and there were one or two other things that we thought we might do more on this year, um, send and clocking professionals. And we just couldn't do as much, could we? Because we were, we were reacting to what was being thrown at us. So yes, you're right. It'll be great um, crossing every finger. If in 2021, we can all carve out a bit more time to, to really be proactive about these issues. And I think one of the um, things that we spent quite a bit of time thinking about in our annual conference um, week, it almost came up, I think, in, in every one of our, our seminars, um, was the point about um, developing people and how that should be at the, the heart of our of our schools um, and we're really hoping aren't we moving maybe on to 2021 and looking looking forward that we can make that a real a real theme of you know everybody involved not just um, uh, developing our governors and trustees which is what NGA is here for but also our governance professionals our executive leaders and head teachers um, our business leaders who are sometimes left out of these these um, equations. So, either on that theme or or, or anything else, what what are your um, well hopes, hopes and wishes um, for for twenty twenty one? Emma, do you want to do you want to go? Do you want to go first? Well, I, I think this kind of harks back to when you said it's forced us to be much more creative. Um, and I think that one of the things uh, that you were saying was about actually we've managed to reach far more people because we've gone remote really or virtual with lots of our sessions. And I think back in March, we probably envisaged this year was going to be a quieter one for us and that we probably weren't going to have the same level of engagement in order to develop and support everybody out there. But the reality of that has been just the opposite. So we've all had to do crash courses in Zoom and Teams and all of those things. All of our consultants that deliver our training and, and our facilitators have all done the same. And actually, I think that all of our participants, just by virtue of needing to log on and engage with all of these platforms, it, it has been a massive um, learning opportunity for everybody. I think that some of our schools have really embraced um, different ways of working with children and young people as well and you know it will have helped some won't it not all but it will have helped some as well children work and think in different ways because they've been having to engage with um, different formats of learning I, I think I suppose 
there's, there's that big concern, isn't there, about those children and young people who perhaps haven't had access to those things so easily in the same way that there probably is still a very small cohort of governance um, sort of colleagues who haven't been as engaged or haven't been able to engage. And I think that as we go forward, we've got to carry on, even if um, lots of life goes back to normal, we've got to carry on being creative to make sure that we've got some opportunity there for everybody to access the benefits that we've seen as a result of, of the, the pandemic. Absolutely. And actually, Emma, this is a really good occasion. I think we should um, uh, celebrate some successes. For you just to say uh, a little bit about how your team has moved our leading governance programmes um, from being blended, because there used to be a lot of face-to-face -face work there, didn't there, and small group work, completely online because um, i think given that that funding is only for sure on offer for the next few months it's it's just worth um reminding people of that yeah so well we've been really really pleased about how everybody's responded so even our cohorts that were up and established and had already kind of signed up because they wanted a face-to-face -face, um training offer um, they all obviously had no choice but to to go um, virtual with it in the end um, and actually what it has meant for us is that we can be much more creative with our cohorts so we've got cohorts that are open just for trustees we've got cohorts just for maintained sector governors we've got mixed cohorts so that everybody can kind of get the benefits of mixing with each sector um, of governance so it, it's it is it, you know the the sessions are as close to a replica of a face-to-face -face experience as we could manage to conjure up um, and, and both our head of training and head of consultancy along with all of our facilitators and consultants have done such a great job of um, developing something that is really well matched. We've got different things as well within the programme such as um, we, we encourage people to do a, a like observe another board in action so they sort of buddy up and, and watch each other's boards in action and then do feedback after that. And, and that has been even better in the remote world because it's very much easier to fade into the background and not interrupt proceedings. Whereas we always had this slight suspicion that perhaps if you know you're being watched, people behave slightly differently, don't they? Um, but we really want to encourage any boards, any um, sort of governors that govern more than one school, uh, maintain sector, standalone trusts um, and governance professionals to come forward and access the funding and apply for a place before the 12th of December. It isn't insignificant for a board of a trust, there's £2,500 minimum and for a standard governing board, there's £1,000 minimum. And although we do ask for a £99 contribution from our clerks, actually what they're getting is a level three accreditation that's a value of at least £450. So we do, we do really want everybody to capitalise on that opportunity while they can. Absolutely. So 12th of March, that's, that's, the, that's the deadline. Um, and 
we know that the Department for Education, like every other government department, is having to rethink its, its expenditure because of, again, the pandemic and what it's done to the, the spending uh, review. So we don't exactly know what the department will be spending its governance money on yet um, from um, the financial year 2021-22. So we, we, we wait to to see and of course to to lobby but that bigger um picture of school funding um this year when we undertook our annual governance survey uh, we were just in the really early months weren't we of covid and money still came up as the the number one concern for more boards than anything else but we've just analyzed also our membership survey from this year and boy was funding right up there at number one it had shot up again so um steve i don't know whether you want to 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 comment on that but it's really making us think isn't it what we need to be saying in the new year because um we had hoped that we were covering some of this but those results from that later survey make me think um we need to uh, increase our work and our, our lobbying on this front Yes, I think you. I think you're right, Emma. And you know, the financial climate for for governing boards and schools and trusts next year will be extremely difficult, as it as it will be everywhere else. Um, we're, we're in in the middle of a of a three year funding settlement, which has remained, you know, intact uh, through uh, as a result of the comprehensive spending review. For and what. Uh, we have now is a situation where the benefit of that funding or any perceived benefit of that funding has almost been eradicated both by inflationary costs in, in pay and other areas, but also, uh, of course, the costs of the pandemic, which are different to, you know, which are, different schools will have different experiences of that. But um, it is always sadly the case that the, the schools that are hit the hardest will be the ones who are most financially stretched anyway. So it's a big challenge for the sector next year in terms of uh, in terms of funding. It plays to the narrative that we've you know that, that's been going on for some time that perhaps there needs to be a, a, a much longer term view of funding of, of, of schools, a plan that's linked to a real clarity of thought about what we want schools to do and what their place is in is in society. And I think we'll need to continue that conversation next year about a long term strategic uh, funding solution uh, for schools so costs aren't continually outrunning funding available that's that's the big that's the big picture but obviously it, it, because times are so challenging it just makes our role uh, our second core function of over you know efficiency of financial resources and overseeing the financial resources that much more important and, and that will be a priority for us at NGA next year supporting boards to you know to be the best they can be in that in that in that regard as well absolutely um but is there any other is 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 funding your number one uh, wish or is there any do you have any other sort of we hope hope for 2021 well okay i mean we've we, we've spoke we've spoken haven't we a lot about the uh, about the year we've experienced and the bigger picture um so i'm going to be a little more parochial now and, and look at look at nga and my area of nga and um it has been an extremely busy and very rewarding year, uh, providing lots and lots of, of, of guidance. And, and it's been heartwarming to, to hear the to receive the response to that and to know that it has been useful. Um, we want to continue that momentum. We've had hundreds of thousands of uh, downloads from our knowledge center 
over the course of the year. Uh, and we want to continue what we've done throughout the COVID period to make our guidance more navigable, easy to access, useful and, and applicable in the moment that it's needed. We want to take those things and, and, and really run with them into 2021 throughout our whole sort of portfolio of guidance and, and linking it much more closely as well with our, our really growing and, and, and highly regarded e-learning offer, which, um, you know, which Emma uh, has spoken about. So that's, that's probably my, my ambition for next year and something that uh, you know, we're all very committed to. Thanks, Steve. Um, and what about you, Sam? Um, I've got two that I wanted to mention, Emma, if that if that's okay. Mm, of course. Um, and they're both they're both um, bigger bigger sector things. I think I think the first thing was um, when we did when we had our um, annual conference week and we had our workshops. One of the workshops was on school improvement and accountability. And one of the things that really stuck in my head out of that session was um, something that Deborah Eyre said that we shouldn't rely on heroic leadership and I think actually during the pandemic there's been a you know actually I think you know we've been so reliant on our leaders and you know they've done such an amazing job and I, I do think there is um, a real uh, there'll be a, a it would be easy to become over reliant on what our our leaders are saying as, as a result of that we've we've all got very used to I know certainly uh, you know my governing experience that you know we've we've been been given great information from our from our executive leader and and the updates we've had from them uh, has been so valuable um but actually i think we need to as 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 the year moves on or or, or as we approach a new year even as we as we go into the new year um i think it's really important that we return to the fundamentals of what good governance is um, and that that's very much based on on us working as a collective, as as a, as a as a group of people. Um, so I think I think for me, thinking about um, uh, governing boards as a team um, is really really important. So I, I think I think that's one that's that's a that's a big thing, and I think that's a challenge for all of us. Uh, I think the other one uh, relates very closely to. Um, the work that 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 I do on multi academy trusts, Emma, and that's been the role of um, local governing bodies um, over the last year, or academy committees as, as we we like to call them. Um, and um, I, I think it, it, it's been really interesting seeing the way that different mats have reacted to to the pandemic, and um, there's been a rethinking for for quite a few of them, I think, around what the role of of local governance is in in trusts uh, and i just really hope that that conversation carries on and develops um and we build on it and the the for the mats out there that they continue to 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 think about how they can bring add the most value to their trust through a a local tier that that works for everyone and that includes very much so the volunteers that that are, are giving up their time um, to be a part of that. So I think, I think for me, they're the two things that stand out, Emma. 
Great, thank you. Um, thank you so much. That that sort of schools at the heart of their communities been been running through this uh, conversation probably should, hasn't it? And it and so it so it should have done because that's really come to a head against again this year. Just how important schools are to um, to their their localities. Um, so we're we're hoping, aren't we, at, at NGA that. 2021 there will be more to, to celebrate and it won't be a case of us all simply having to um, always cope and always be um, be resilient um, certainly we've been talking so much more about um, well-being and uh, we produce that, that tool to start those conversations between governing boards and leaders about about well-being and I think that will also continue on to next year but i think it would be great if there was some more lightness in 2021 and we're hoping to start the year off in that spirit um, with our uh, outstanding governance awards so i do hope you'll look out um, for those in the new year as well so thank you uh, for what you've done throughout the year because um your schools and trusts did absolutely um, need you. It was absolutely vital work being there to support them, to guide them, to be a sounding um, board this year, like like never, never before. So I do hope everybody is going to get a good break um, over Christmas. I'm not quite sure where we're up to um, the festive singing um, right now, even though it is very good for your well-being. But I think that may be something that we will um, restrain ourselves on um, in this podcast. But all it does is remain for me to say uh, to you all, um, happy Christmas, have a good break and see you in the new year. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.